Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, uh, August the 29th. Today, uh, Jeff, and of course, uh, a lot of highlights. Some new things we'll have on today. Uh, of course, we'll have our Monday morning coach with uh, Coach Ryan Antoine with Westgate. Uh, the Tigers uh, didn't see uh, particularly their... Uh, Jamboree score, did you? No, I did not. Uh, not not heavily reported on uh, no. on Lake Charles on Saturday, but uh, that's why we get the coach on, so okay. he can tell yeah. us about it. Absolutely. And I look at, of course, uh, Friday's game at Nish. That, that's right. Uh, big uh, inner city rivalry uh, that's been going on for about 20 years now. Meanwhile, our pocket guys are out, uh, out so we'll look for them at uh, various locations who sponsor the pocket guide. And uh, it's good to have and keeping your uh, wallet or pocket. Meantime, uh, just some uh, just some quick notes. Saints uh, Friday night looked pretty good. Jeff, uh, they played pretty well, and even Ian Book uh, looked like took the uh, binders off a little bit. Looked a little bit better uh, Friday night. Yeah, and while that may save a roster spot for him, it's going to be close. Let, let's hope it doesn't matter at any point. But it was great to see uh, some of the starters in there, and not just be in there but produce and uh look good look good yeah and we'll have a new guest on this yeah. morning around eight o'clock to uh talk about the saints uh, uh a writer beat writer for sports illustrated who covers the saints will be on each monday at around eight o'clock here on bayou sports so something new for you to uh, maintain your listening audience uh, for bayou sports and we look forward to that uh, elsewhere, uh, record-breaking uh, sale for a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card. Jeff Sunday sold for $12.6 million. Uh, I thought the one when Ty Cobb or was it maybe uh, Tyra Wagner. Speaker? Well, yeah, Hornets Wagner sold for, what, a million bucks or 600000 back in the day. Uh, just unbelievable. I just I can't get over that for a baseball card. Uh, anyway, and you know, you know I, I hope they think it's a good investment and geez. that at some day they'll sell it themselves, maybe at a higher price, because honestly, I just don't know how having that as a keepsake is worth that kind of cabbage. Uh, you got to have some stupid money. To be able to that, a lot of stupid out. money, if you think about it, uh, it's got to be somebody that's a billionaire. It wouldn't be somebody like Mark Cuban would buy a card like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's smarter about his investments. I think so too. In the meantime, uh, 1952, I believe that was the first year tops who uh, controlled uh, a lot of the baseball card industry back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s onward. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, uh, was their first year, and I think they reprinted those cards back in uh, sometime in the mid '80s. Yeah, not not sure, but uh, that's you know, I, I lost interest in baseball cards twice. Once when Billy Williams was retired. Okay. And you know, at that point, I, I knew I wasn't going to open up a pack and find his cards, so uh, I, I kind of gave up then. But then you mentioned tops dominating and. When so many other different cards got out there, like there was such a flood of um, yeah, Dan Roos, Flex, uh, there were yeah, a bunch of different cards. I just, uh, you know, it was it was too much. It was yeah. ridiculous to try and keep up. Just like there's too many social media opportunities today. There is I, really. I can. I, I don't believe in monopolies, but I can't keep up with all of it. Yeah, and with that. Uh, 
baseball cards that I can remember getting on my bike and riding, me and a couple of buds riding all over town. You know, the little corner grocery stores were quite prevalent when I was a child, and uh, buying those, uh, my mother used to scream at us, chewing on that white <laughs> bubble gum. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't have more cavities than what we had. Meanwhile, uh, in NBA, uh, WNBA news, uh, championship game moving on. Uh, the uh, Storm beat the Aces, uh, and the Sun beat the uh, Sky. Both lead one nothing in the best of five series. So, go uh, figure. The Sun dominating the Sky. Yeah, that's right. Like to have it. Big news. Uh, kind of minor league baseball is taking their first step to potentially unionize in the minor leaguers uh sunday night uh when the major league baseball players Association sent out voting cards to authorize a player's union as their collective bargaining representative uh we've got to keep an eye on that that'll be interesting uh well, there's been a lot of talk about conditions uh, players uh, living in almost in squalid conditions making next to nothing uh, that's just, right uh, many of them just happy to be given an opportunity to play ball and maybe uh, get to that next level but yeah there's probably been some uh, long time coming disparities that need yeah to be fixed. unless you signed a healthy uh yeah. signing bonus if you were paid six eight hundred dollars a month that was about it and anyway we'll, we'll see what transpires with that elsewhere uh bork Bad news for the rookies is Commander's rookie running back Brian Robinson was hospitalized with non-threatening injuries uh, on Sunday night uh, being shot uh, multiple times during a possible robbery attempt. Just, man, you hope that, uh, wow. Anyway, elsewhere, uh, Arizaya cut by the uh, Bills, of course. Not shocked at all. Yeah, yeah, they've had to take a stand on that. Of course, he's uh, been accused of... uh, in a lawsuit of gang raping a 17-year-old, I was at San Diego State. He uh, and two other San Diego State teammates. Yes, uh, that. Uh, Little League uh, World Series, of course, uh, Hawaii uh, comes out on top. Uh, the 10-run rule, uh, <laughs> the poor team from uh, Curacao. Yeah. Curacao scores a run, two runs, I think, to keep it going in the top of the fourth. But okay. then it didn't take long for Hawaii uh, to answer in the bottom of the fourth. Seems... Yeah, and I, I'm thinking to myself, being in, in broadcasting and knowing you sell a certain amount of commercials, like, does does ABC allow for this game to end uh, after four innings? They got two more innings they sold. That's right. Yeah, and that's I'm sure right. they probably work them into the post game, but that's, uh, I'm sitting there watching the Cub game and alongside it uh, saying, man. ABC's got to be squirming right now. Or. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty accurate too. Uh, uh, and uh, but the little leaguers, the Hawaiian team, uh, they were dominant uh, just about the whole way through the tournament. Yeah. I think they outscored teams by 55 runs, which is unheard of. Sounds like some of those Taiwan teams back in the 70s and 80s when they were just blasting people, uh, you know, with uh, unbelievable. But uh, that was put to a halt because they were. Uh, they were fudging a little bit. They they were drawing kids from uh, a quarter of a million people from an area, while most other league teams were drawing from fifteen to thirty thousand. So uh, when you have a lot more opportunity to bring in a lot more kids, uh, I mean, they, those Taiwan teams they had kids that were six foot tall and saying they were twelve years old too. And I'm not sure if uh, if uh, some of those birth certificates were uh, fudged a little bit yeah. too. Yeah, I, I was railing against the idea of the home run derby. Derby on Friday, Little League World Series home run derby, and I was, I was not disappointed how lame it was. Really, they moved in the fences. Really, 
I'm like, I, the girls' home run competition was almost half of what their normal wall would be in a okay. game. And the boys, about three quarters. Okay. So they didn't have to clear the normal fence for it to be considered a home run. Okay. So it, it really hammered home how disappointed I thought I'd be, and it was indeed. Okay. At least the Cubs came back that uh, way. I understand. And uh, I, they moved the, the Little League World Series fences were 205 feet until the year, I think, 04, 05. Then they moved them back to 225 symmetrically, so meaning down the right field line, left field line, uh, center field was all – 225. Elsewhere, Rory McElroy, he erases a six-stroke deficit against Scotty Scheffler and uh, goes on to win the championship uh, in the FedEx, pocketing a, a mere $18 million. Uh, Compared to 54 money. <laughs> that's right. That's a mere. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And uh, that was the longest uh, final round comeback in tour championship history, helping McElroy become the first ever three-time winner. The FedEx did not realize that. Entering Sunday, Scheffler looked primed to complete one of the best seasons in recent history, but uh, his conservative play led to three quick bogeys, while McElroy paired with uh, Scheffler in the final grouping, birdied four of his first seven uh, holes to catch Scheffler on, and atop the leaderboard. Uh, McElroy's putting was excellent all day, never more than clutched in a 31-foot birdie on 15 to retain the share of the lead. One more bogey from Scheffler on number 16 was all McElroy needed as he parred the final three holes to complete the comeback victory. The big picture? Well, McElroy spent all season defending the PGA Tour against the LIV Golf while fighting for changes that included larger purses and better competition. Less than a week after those changes were announced, he won the Tour's biggest prize over the world's number one golfer. Sometimes the truth uh, really is stranger than fiction. McElroy didn't uh, equivocate uh, uh, when asked uh, how satisfi- satisfying it was to win this year's uh, FedEx Cup. It means a lot, an awful lot. I believe in the game of golf, and I believe in this uh, tour in particular, and its players, and it's the greatest place in the world to play golf, uh, bar none. So, uh, interesting uh, uh, weekend. Uh, also, there, there there was a development there. Tiger Woods and uh, McElroy were served subpoenas as part of that legal battle between the PGA and 54 Golf. Uh, According to Riley Hamill with Golf Week, uh, at issue is the players only meeting that included Woods and McElroy during the BMW Championship. Larry Clayman, who's representing Patrick Reed in Reed's defamation suit, contending the meeting was anti-competitive and violative of the antitrust laws vis-a-vis the 54 Golf Tour and its players. 11 golfers who signed with 54 Golf filed an antitrust suit against the PGA back on August 3rd. Wall Street Journal's uh, Louise Radnofsky and Andrew Beaton reported back on July 11th, the U.S. Department of Justice was looking into the PGA Tour and the steps it's taken in reaction to 54's emergence. Reed, who filed a $750 million defamation suit against Brandel Chambly and the Golf Channel tried to uh, uh, tied two other uh, long-standing grievances about Chambly and the network's coverage of him. Golf Digest's Todd Leonard noted that the subpoenas issued to Woods and McElroy predated Reed's suit. On the eve of the BMW Championship, Woods traveled to Wilmington Country Club in Delaware for a meeting with a group of notable PGA Tour stars and uh, McElroy told reporters uh, afterward the one thing that came out of it, which I think was the purpose, is all the top players on this tour are in agreement and alignment of where we should go going forward. And he said that was awesome. 
just this past Wednesday, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan announced major changes to the tour moving forward that we've talked about, and we'll see um, how that goes. When I first saw that they were given subpoenas about this players-only meeting, I thought it was the PGA who may have been concerned oh, okay. that they were sort of conspiring, um, uh, almost like uh, Major League Baseball owners were accused of conspiring to keep prices here or there, or a trade uh, or a player not moving here or there. But, no, just the opposite. Yeah, interesting, too. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see what uh, chip shots maybe have on that later on this evening at 5 o'clock when uh, – when Teddy Sliman and Boxcar Bergeron get on the air and talk about that, I'm sure that'll be a big subject along with the FedEx. Elsewhere, college football, Jeff, we're underway Saturday morning from uh, Ireland as Northwestern beats Nebraska 31-28. Boy, Nebraska, Scott Frost, man, he just, he didn't get a break at all. I mean, they've lost, they were showing uh, captions, well, how many uh, games they lost by one score or less, and it was just, Wow. Well, maybe that says something about trying an onside kick. And, you know, I, I, I know, I'm not sure if you watched the game as, as closely as I did. A uh, I, I'm a fan of Northwestern growing up near there. They were my college team before I went to college. Uh, but, the, the, you know, I, I appreciated a certain aggressiveness on both. It was, and he was given some grief about calling for the onside kick. But it was just a lame effort. Yeah. It was a terrible kick. Uh, I mean, it was basically just a ground ball to the shortstop. And, you know. Not even a two-hopper. Yeah. And, uh, but, and Northwestern took advantage of a turnover that Nebraska couldn't do. Now, it was a solid performance, but I was frustrated. You know, the, the guy who's doing play-by-play is the White Sox announcer, Jason Benetti. All right. And now he's at Fox. I hope he's still going to do the White Sox games. But... He, um, being from Chicago, I thought maybe he'd be a little bit... They kept being amazed that Nebraska wasn't dominating that game. I'm thinking, they won three games last year. What do you? Why are you shocked that this is a tight game? That's now, right. I, I was pleasantly surprised because North uh, Nebraska got off to a great start. Touchdowns in their first two drives. Uh, uh, Northwestern did answer with a field goal, but then eventually uh, took advantage of some miscues and put the game away late. Uh, turnover late um, allowed them to just take a knee and win that game. Yeah, and just uh, just a, anyway, the Huskers. But, but the biggest thing out of that game, <laughs> the internet goes down and the beer is free. <laughs> I can only imagine what the lines were like when they said, "Hey, right. uh, folks, we, we we can't. The ATMs are down." We can't take cash, uh, so the beer is free. Can you imagine that? In, uh, and I in would imagine Ireland other too. concessions, too. Uh, in in, right I think there. people might have stormed the stadium, you know, knowing they were Man. giving away free beer. Anyway, uh, the Huskers uh, in great shape. They went up 28-17 midway through the third quarter. Then Scott Frost, who's now abysmal 15 for 30 in four-plus seasons. Well, that's when they the attempted the kick. onside that's kick, right. looking to ice the game. And, and certainly a successful onside kick and a score afterward would have helped ice the game. But yeah. Yeah, you've you got to have a better attempt than what we saw. Yeah, and that's Nebraska's seventh consecutive loss, all by single digits, and the longest such streak by a major college team in the AP poll since 1936. Anyway, like you mentioned, the fans in attendance, 
attendants were treated to free beer for two hours when the stadium's payment system went down. And this was the first of five game series in Ireland, playing for the next five years. A brainchild of a Notre Dame alum who attended the 96 game and thought he could work as an event. So uh, I want to say next year it's going to be Navy and uh, Notre Dame playing in this game. And uh, don't have any unannounced games yet uh, after that. But uh, kind of interesting, too. So, uh, anyway, uh, Tigers opponent, uh, Florida State crushes Duquesne, I guess. Uh, They could have probably named the score. That was so ugly. Yeah, 47-7. Put that on late uh, in the first half, and uh, it just got uglier and uglier as the game went on. Yeah, uh, and uh, the Tigers will play Florida State in the Dome Sunday night, as the LSU Tigers will kick off their season, uh, taking on uh, uh, the <laughs> the Florida State Seminoles. Just you, you don't know how to compare their win against Duquesne. And like I told you Friday, I didn't know Duquesne played football. And they had a decent basketball. They, they don't apparently. Yeah, well, yeah. true. They, <laughs> From what I saw, that was an apparition. Anyway, elsewhere, uh, the Cajuns opened up their season uh, Saturday evening over in Lafayette as they take on Southeastern. Uh, the Lions, uh, two New Iberian natives, uh, head football coaches, uh, will call that will be calling the game for their separate teams. Coach uh, Coach Mike Dussamo for the Cajuns and Frank Selfo for the Lions. So, uh, be interesting. To keep an eye on that. Of course, the Cajuns should be uh, a pretty good favorite in that game. Uh, with uh, Coach Dussamo making his second appearance as the head coach of the Cajuns, That's as true. we all yeah. know that he had uh, he coaching them to the bowl victory over uh, Marshall in the Dome last year. So, uh, Jeff, uh, pretty interesting weekend. Uh, we've got a high school football coach coming up on a few minutes. Any last words before we take our next break? No, I'd say let's go ahead and take that break. Uh, again, Coach Ryan Antoine joining us. And, again, uh, at the top of the hour, Bob Rose with Sports Illustrated going to talk some more Saints football with us. Yes, he will. So uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with uh, head football coach Ryan Antoine from Westgate right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2350. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Corner Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Corner Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and LSU, and no bar with more outdoor seating. Corner Tavern, 19 East Main, across from McDonald's. Best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Corner Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. And thanks again for voting the Corner Tavern, best bar, and more. This year's Best of the Tash. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. 
We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions, and you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 1075. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a Monday morning, August the 29th. And uh, with us is head football coach Ryan Antoine for the Westgate Tigers, uh, Tony Landry along with Jeff Boggs. And Coach, uh, uh, good morning, and how things going? Good morning, guys. How's it going? It's a Monday. There you go. Monday after, uh, I assume you got your jamboree in on Saturday. How'd it go? Yeah, we ended up moving it to our place on Friday. So, yeah, we... uh we got it in with through the weather, and uh, you know, we played okay at best. Played okay. We ended up winning the jamboree, but uh, I, I think we played a very, very you know, low margin game for in, in, in my standpoint. And what are you trying to accomplish in that jamboree? And what do you feel you didn't accomplish in that game? Uh, the biggest thing was we wanted to, we wanted to come out of that game healthy. Uh, I felt we did that, and you know, want to get get better in some spots. I felt we did that. Our effort was kind of, you know, down in that, that first half. So I felt like we didn't do a good job, you know, with our effort aspect of it. But, you know, we, we turned it up in the second half. So we got some promise. I just didn't like how we started off. And we got to do a better job of that because there's better teams. We won't get to come back as good. You're going to see those guys again in a couple of weeks. Um, did you hold anything back because of that? Yes. Yes, I mean we, you know, we we see them in you know in less, less than let's like say in fourteen days, uh, you know, from the time we last time we played them. So, uh, yeah, we definitely didn't do a lot of different things. I'm sure they didn't do a lot of things as well. So, uh, you know, we just tried to get better at what we did, and I felt we went in into a little too complicated, you know, and tried to do a little too much and, and got a little more tense than what it is. But you know, we got a, you know got a younger team, it's not a veteran led team now, so we just got to clean some things up and hopefully be be ready to go this weekend. All right. I know uh, you guys had a great crowd for your scrimmage. Uh, were you able to get the word out uh, about it being at Westgate? Uh, did the fans show up? Yeah, yeah. We, we, had, we had some we had some decent fans here. Uh, you know, they brought a good crowd as well. So it was, it was just a good atmosphere, you know, just to play some football. And the, the biggest thing is we just want to hurry up and get the game in. We really didn't worry about, you know, the, the crowd as much. We just want to hurry up and try to play. That was their first game that they played because they weren't able to play a scrimmage. And we just wanted to try to find another day to get better. So, uh, yeah, we did have a decent crowd. We expected a bigger one, you know, this week. Yeah, Coach, uh, with that, uh, you mentioned, uh, I can tell in your, in your voice, you really weren't enthusiastic, enthusiastic with the play of your young men. Uh, and what regard did, did you just, the Christmas, what, the crispness wasn't there? Or did you just, were there penalties? Uh, what were some of your uh, feelings about, was the energy there? Tell us uh, what, what you didn't particularly care about the way your team played that uh, particular night. Yeah, I just think the energy. Uh, we just kind of waited, you know, for, you know, Lake Charles College Prep to make a play or somebody else on our team to make a play. And that's usually haven't been our, you know, our M.O. You know, we like to go out there and we like to, you know, establish the tone and we like to do things, you know, our way and impose our will. And I felt like we waited too long to get that done. Uh, it was 12-2 at halftime. Uh, that, you know, we didn't do well in special teams at all. It didn't take enough, enough punt back on us. And special teams is really, really the thing that we focused a, a lot on. Uh, but we came back in the second half, scored in the first play, uh, uh, forced a turnover the first play on defense, and came back and scored the next play. So in three plays, we took the lead. You know, and I'm just like, you know, where where this been? You know, and I just got to be a little bit patient. You know, this is a different team. 
different type of atmosphere, but I feel like our guys have it. We just have to, we can't wait to do that because, you know, playing quality opponents, playing better opponents, you won't have that opportunity. Yeah, Coach, well, you t- uh, Friday night, uh, it, it all cranks up Friday night as you travel to uh, Yellow Jacket land, and you know they'd sure like to take the toppings off uh, the Tigers if they get an opportunity. You know, this is a, this rivalry has been built up over the past, oh, 15, 20 years, and uh, give us a little indication of, of this game coming up Friday, which Kane Radio will be there to broadcast the game. So if you want to let your students and student body know who uh, and administrators who can't make the game, we'll have the game on air uh, approximately 6.15, 6.30 uh, pregame. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you throw the workers out, throw all that, you know, throw everything out. I mean, it's a it's a rivalry game. It's an entire rivalry. The biggest thing is we want to try to shut the community down and let us, let, you know, come like these kids. You know, there's a lot of other things going outside of football that, you know, that these kids could be doing, but these kids are doing something positive, so let's reward them by supporting them and cheering them on. At the end of the day, these kids are friends. You know, sometimes the, the adults may try to make it more than what it is, but these kids have no issues with, with each other. These coaches have no issues with each other. These kids just want to go out here and have a good game and for two hours, let, you know, let's just represent our hometown. So these kids, go, you know, definitely try to put on a great show on both sides of the ball and, you know, hopefully the best team wins. What, what do you know about the Yellow Jackets uh, at this point, and what are uh, some of the problems they may give you uh, coming in uh, off a season where they didn't pick up a victory? I know you've got to think that they're better than that this year. Yeah, I mean, you have nothing to lose. You know, uh, we they have everything to gain. I mean, so we have to go out there and try to play, you know, our best style of football and, and, and put ourselves in a situation to where we're not in a dogfight. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Lehrman does a good job. Uh, he has those guys back out there. That's one thing I noticed, you know, number one. Uh, we played them last year, week three, and they might have had, you know, 25 to 30 kids total on the team. I mean, he has a full squad. Those guys are out there. They're emotional, and they're playing for him. And that's all you can want as a first-year coach. Uh, you know, been there, done that. Uh, you know, so, so I understand, you know, what he's going through. I understand how he has to turn around. I think he's a dichotomy. How much uh, do you... Uh, or can you uh, share about your uh, philosophy this year with the players you have, uh, and is it any different than last year? You, you lose some talent, you gain uh, in other areas, but how much uh, has changed for you as far as uh, leading this year's team versus last year? Uh, just a different team with a different mentality. You know, they're just, you know, they're younger, so you have to really, you know, you have to coach more and you have to be more involved. You know, last year, you know, it was more player led, you know, because they understood it. Those guys were four year starters and they understood that. But you know, on to this year now and the mentality is, is, is the same, the standard's the same. It's just you have to kind of be around them a little bit more to just make sure that, that those things are being done. It's kinda of like watching a three and a four year old instead of watching a, a ten and twelve year old. You know, that ten and twelve year old can kinda of get things done and kinda of know how things are ran, but that three and that four year old you gotta kinda of watch them and then when it gets quiet you better go and check into what's going on. You know, so that's kinda of what it is right now. So we just kinda of, Got to monitor them and you know deal with a little bit different more emotions because some things they don't know how to handle. So we just around them a lot more and just loving them up and you know trying to get better every single week. No doubt, we won't uh, talk to Coach Learman until Thursday morning. What do you know about ticket information, uh, either for your uh, student fans uh, or uh, overall? Uh, I don't know exact ticket information yet. Uh, I think I'm sure I'm sure they'll they'll let us know that you know today or tomorrow for sure. I know we have a JV. A freshman in the JV game at our place on tomorrow, starting at five thirty. Uh, admission is five dollars. Like I said, we'll have a freshman game starting at five thirty. Our place is in JV. Will follow it, you know, so five five dollars. You can come in, 
you know, watch our younger programs uh, play against each other and just, you know, try to see how to build and look into the future. You know, Friday night we'll, we'll play the varsity game. I don't know exactly how much it is, but the game will start at 7 o'clock and, you know, definitely want to just everybody come out and support and just cheer these kids on. Yeah, you know, it was great last year in your playoff run to see uh, Nish fans uh, as supportive for your team as they would have been for their team in the postseason. It's going to be an interesting uh, crowd uh, Friday night and should be a great crowd. Uh, I mean, no reason it shouldn't be a, a great crowd, uh, but hopefully one that's respectful as we saw in your playoff run last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Nish did a great job of supporting us, you know, the whole community, you know, Kelly High, all the schools as well, you know, supported us and, you know, and we we enjoyed that, and we expect to return the favor, you know, whenever it happens for them. But, you know, we just want everybody to come out here, have a good, clean game, have a good, clean time, and everybody just be respectful when you move on to the next week after that. No doubt. You know, Tony and I were talking off mic uh, during the break uh, about one ranking that uh, suggests that you guys may be the top team in 4A again. How do you uh, caution your players about looking at, a pre- especially a preseason poll? Yeah, that means nothing to us. I mean, you know, thank you, you know, but, you know, let's be real. If people that really look at those things a lot of time, that team that's ranked number one, a lot of times don't say that much. So, you know, if that thing goes back and forth, we have to, we, like we tell our guys, people are hunting us, but the most important person we got to hunt is ourselves. You know, we got to make sure every single day that we, we're getting better and that we focus on us and don't get caught in the ranking, don't get caught in social media, don't get caught in whatever's going on around, around town. So just focus on the team and focus on what's on the field and let it handle it on there. Uh, Coach, with uh, regards to the uh, game, Jamboree game, uh, this past Friday night, and uh, we'll let the sirens pass. Uh, with that regard, uh, uh, were you able to get many young men into the game? Were you able to maybe, due to the fact of uh, being a Jamboree and maybe having a, open up a score a little bit, were you able to play more players than you anticipated for that game last Friday night? Yes, yes. We played a lot of guys in a lot of different spots, you know, and so and we got to see a lot of different things, uh, you know, especially early on in on those special teams. Uh, so, you know, we're going to make the proper adjustments. We need to make it. Then after we played the varsity jamboree, we played like a 10-minute running time with the uh, with our freshmen and our JV combined as well. So some younger guys got some reps, and that's what it's all about, you know, just trying to build some future and trying to build some depth. Yeah, no, you're correct about that, Jeff. Well, Coach, again, we look forward to seeing your team on Friday night. Uh, again, we'll be on the air at about 6.15. But, again, uh, Coach, uh, best of luck uh, in this week of practice. Rain chances still exist, um, but hopefully that won't slow you guys down. Yeah, thank you guys for supporting us. I appreciate it. We'll see you guys there. All right, Coach, again, always a pleasure. Once again, Head Coach Ryan Antoine, he joins us on Mondays, uh, each Monday during uh, the high school football season uh, at 7.30. Yeah, just looking, uh, of course, he uh, nished the big game nish Friday night. Then they uh, they play at home, Louisiana, uh, the same school they played, uh, Louisiana College Prep. Lake Charles. Lake Charles College, College Prep, Prep yeah. excuse me. Uh, and then uh, they take on Evangel. They, they travel to Shreveport to take on Evangel, come back home to play St. Martinville, or away at St. Martinville High School, then at home uh, against M. S-E, I'm not sure who that might be up in uh, Shreveport, another home game. Then they go into their district slate with uh, Turlings, North Vermillion, uh, uh, Lafayette Christian, who is now in that uh, district. They moved up from AA up to 4A, and St. Thomas Moore, and Northside's their final game of the year. So uh, uh, last year, the Westgate Tigers only lost uh, – 
two games, one to St. Aug and one to that Lafayette Christian team who moved up into that 4A bracket uh, here in the district. So uh, we'll see what Coach Antoine uh, has um, going for him this year, defending state champ in uh, 4A. Uh, Jeff, uh, interesting. He's got a lot of talent coming back. They can say what they want. They did lose some fine players, but uh, they've got some fine players back on that team too. Uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, uh, again, uh, as Coach Antoine has evolved as a coach, I, I just think he's doing such a better job of uh, keeping discipline uh, and players focused more than uh, perhaps uh, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, as you grow with your program, and Westgate uh, High School's only been around since uh, the late 90s when they started playing JV football back in 98, 99, and then moving up the ladder. They did play in 5A for a short period of time. I'd say more than a short period. It was almost uh, eight years. It may have been eight years. Yeah, I was thinking four to six years, but eight years, even maybe ten, you might be right, and they were in the same district as the Yellow Jackets. They're they're always one of the smallest 5A schools, though, and now they're one of the largest 4A schools on that bubble there. And when they won the basketball state championship. That that was 5A. That was 5A. That was definitely 5A. Remember it well. Uh, so uh, in that regard. So in the meantime, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Are we uh, near our second uh, basically? Let's just go over a couple quick things. Uh, baseball, Major League Baseball. Uh, right now, uh, my cards win an exciting game last night. I got upset with Hensley as he threw that fastball. <laughs> and it, it was tattooed to the right uh, center field seats by the Braves. Uh, they come back, Cardinals, uh, Tyler uh, O'Neill comes back with a 3-1 jab, and the Cardinals uh, win that game by a score of 6-3 to three over the Braves, take two out of three. So uh, pretty good to see that for the Cards. Uh, elsewhere, it looks like the Yankees are trying to get their act back together too, uh, Jeff. Uh, they've been floundering for the past uh, six weeks or so since the All-Star break, and the Dodgers. Uh, Lost a tough one Saturday yes. night in ex- extra innings. Uh, but otherwise, I think they took two or three from the A's over the weekend. They did, and uh, the Dodgers just keep marching. Uh, you know, they're they're right now. They're granted they were in Miami. Yeah, true. Yeah, so. But they're projected to win 114, 115 games. That's that that they're just. You know, as well as the Cardinals are playing uh, the Dodgers. It just uh, they 88 and 38, and uh, that's with what. 36 games left to play. I mean, they got a chance to hit that 114, 115 mark if they keep playing or if they once they clinch, if they'll pull back. Uh, of course, uh, the Yankees are playing a little bit better. They're 78 and 50, but at one time they were like a 60 and 23 or something of that nature. Uh, they've just uh, been down. Of course, they take on the Angels tonight. Uh, I think they've won seven of their last eight, though. That, uh, you, no, I think you're right about that. Again, yeah. Heartbreak. Saturday night I was watching uh, the Yankees game and, um, you know, tight game, late starting pitchers exit, and then they start to score some runs. Uh, but a two-run home run uh, by the A's late uh, tied the game, and extra innings um, in Major League Baseball are ridiculous right now. I can't wait until they get rid of the, the, the ghost runner on second base. Yeah, that, that's, that's two of us uh, in that regard. And they still have the three-batter pitch rule, don't they? Where if you've got a pitch, uh, if you bring a pitcher in, he's got to face three batters before he can be removed. Uh, yeah, that, that is permanent. Uh, that, that wasn't one of the COVID uh, changes in the game, uh, as was the ghost runner and the 
seven inning double headers, that right. ridiculousness. But uh, no, I'm, I'm and and I don't like that myself. I I don't love to see the pitching changes, but that is one of the reasons why you got twelve, thirteen guys uh, on your pitching staff these days that you can make nuanced moves um, you know just like uh, the, one of the reasons we don't particularly like the DH we like the nuances that go with a pitcher having to hit yeah that's right and it's strategy of the game too I can remember watching a movie it was two little boys uh, I can't remember which one it was and uh, oh, look yeah, you can manage the twins uh, man they got the DH in the American League man <laughs> You know, I mean, you don't have to think. Anyway, uh, the team to keep an eye on, too, in the America, the Astros. The Astros are playing well. They're 82-47. and 47. They have the best record in the American League right now. And I can remember when all those Astro fans were hollering and screaming when they when Bud Selig moved them to the American League instead of the uh, Brewers, who were in the American League for many years. Yeah, I don't blame them. And uh, I can remember my sister screaming, oh, all we get to see is the Yankees and the Red Sox, nobody else. They wanted to be in the National League, and I couldn't blame them uh, with the dominance of uh, the Yankees over the uh, century, I guess. But in the meantime, uh, the Astros are keeping an eye on, of course, the Dodgers. Justin Verlander, though, exited yesterday's game uh, out of my left eye, the side of my left eye. I watched a little of that game, a scoreless game for a long time, uh, but Verlander left the game. After three innings and 60 pitches, was rela- replaced after having right calf discomfort. Yeah. Uh, heading into the game, he was having a real good season. Is having a real yeah. good season. 16-3, and three, uh, 1.87 ERA. Uh, big reason why Houston's uh, doing what they're doing. Hopefully he uh, will survive this one. Yeah, and you're right. He's, he's approaching 40 years old if he's not there yet. He's right at it, so Verlander. But uh, he gives some stability to that uh, Astro uh, pitching staff and and seniority. But the Astros right now are just clubbing the ball, too. So, uh, And that, that left field fence, uh, Fenway's got the green monster, but uh, I don't know if they still call it the, the Landry seats or not. Uh, out in left field, it's about a, what, a poke of about 315, 320 at the most. But it's up about, what, 12 feet maybe. Uh, and those uh, seats out in left field, small, but uh, a good poke will get it out every time. Yeah. Anyway, Jeff, uh, let's go ahead and take our first break this morning. You're listening to Kane Radio's Bayou Sports here on a Monday morning, August the 29th. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880, or go to answer to pain.com. 
Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The Corner Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Corner Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and LSU and no bar with more outdoor seating. Corner Tavern, 19 East Main across from McDonald's. Best drink prices into Barry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Corner Tavern now serving fresh fruit margaritas and daiquiris. And thanks again for voting the Corner Tavern. Best bar and more this year's Best of the Tesh. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, August the 29th, as uh, we're here in our third segment. Uh, a couple of the uh, football games over the weekend. The uh, pros, uh, of course, playing their last game. Uh, see where the Steelers wide receiver uh, or Watt, linebacker Watt, they were injured. So, uh didn't, didn't watch much of that game. Uh, was it last night or Sunday, uh, Saturday night? Can't recall. Steelers, uh, did they play yesterday at 3.30? Yeah, was that the uh, second game? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was the second game yesterday. And uh, the Steelers, uh, uh, of course, putting in a new quarterback with uh, Rothenberger, no longer with the, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was just looking for uh, – uh, I can't even tell you the score yesterday. Uh, they beat the Lions 19-9. And the Jets and the Giants, the Jets finally uh, beat the Giants. Uh, that's a big rivalry game. They usually play that game during the uh, exhibition yeah, season. They the always pre-season. play in the preseason yeah. and every four years, just like uh, other AFC, NFC teams uh, see each other, just every four years during the regular season. Yeah, I'm just looking over that uh, Miami uh, Wallops, uh, Philadelphia, 48-10 to 10, uh, in a ball game that uh, run away. But most all the, all the games – uh, well, mostly coast scores. Dallas over Seattle, 27-26. Carolina shot out Buffalo. Of course, I'm sure Joe, the quarterback didn't play for Buffalo, along with a lot of first-teamers. The Saints, uh, you know, got Winston in the game, uh, went ahead and played a, a series. Looked pretty good throwing the football mm. down the field, too. So, uh, hopefully that uh, – and the, and the Saints showed a little better running game, too. Of course, our prized rookie – uh, Trevor Pennington went down. I think he's got a turf toe. Don't know how serious it is, but, boy, those are painful injuries, too. And a turf toe, basically, a combination of things. Could be a break, a fracture, a, a stretch. Jammed. Yeah, it's a turf toe, is, and uh, uh, we'll see how he comes along. But uh, Saints have uh, got to make a lot of cuts in the next few days, too, to get out to the uh, 53-man roster. Uh, I believe they made six moves um, over the weekend, I think I saw. Yeah, they cut the running back Smith from Baylor. Of course, he's uh, a possibility. Paid him $220,000 for a signing bonus and uh, undrafted uh, free agent. And uh, they cut him along with some others, like you mentioned. I think there were five Defensive end Josh Black, offensive lineman Kalik Washington and Derek Kelly. Defensive backs Quentin Meeks and Brian Allen. Down to 74, uh, but need to trim it down by uh, 21 more by tomorrow's deadline. It surprises me uh, the deadline is so early. Yeah, that, that too. I thought maybe I mean, that they would address that maybe over the week, next weekend, you know, for Labor Day before they kick it off. But I'm sure you'd like to get your squad together and see who's going to qualify for the practice team. 
And I think they've raised that from 10. They might even be maybe 15 or 16 now on the practice squad. So, But the one problem with that, if you have someone in the practice squad and another team in the league likes him, they can just come take him away from you. So that, that venue is open to other teams uh, with players that you may have. So uh, once you're on the practice squad, you're taking care of, you're paid. You're, you're not, you can't dress off for the games, but uh, – uh, you paid a nice sum, depending on your years in the league, but I think a minimum wage well, is... And, and again, the practice squad players could play. Um, sometimes there's late scratches, and you can add one of those practice guys to your roster when uh, there is an inactive player, and, and that's got to be noted before the game. But, uh, yeah, so they do have some opportunities. They do, and they're paid seven to 8000 maybe as much as $9,000, as I mentioned, appears on, appears on your, well, how long you've been in the league and all. So, uh, and that's each week. But uh, the Saints uh, have some cuts to make. Uh, I think a few tough cuts. Wide receiver, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a problem. Do they keep six? Do they keep seven? Uh, can some of those wide receivers play special teams? Uh, Kirk Merritt being one of them. So we'll see what takes place in that regard. So uh, interesting, though, uh, Jeff. We'll see what uh, transpires in the next 48 hours. We'll be talking to Bob Rose again, a Sports Illustrated writer, covering the Saints in just a few minutes. Uh, there's one uh, thing. Oh, <laughs> I want to brag on the Bears. Uh, their starting uh, lineup on Friday, uh, Saturday night uh, was dominating against Cleveland. Granted, 3-0 and in the preseason doesn't necessarily mean anything. In fact, sometimes it's the uh, a harbinger of bad news uh, when you look so good in the preseason. But uh, Justin Fields, 16 of 18, throwing the ball, three touchdowns. The starters had a field day, granted against the Browns, who are in somewhat disarray, in my opinion. But still, um, I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to be better than, what was that, four wins they were projected? Yeah, something like, like they were picked. Thir- at, yeah. them and the uh, them and the Falcons were picked in the bottom part of the league, to be honest with you. So, uh, but you're right. Fields had a good had a quarterback rating of one forty six nine. Peterman uh, also played a little bit along with uh, former Saint quarterback C- Simeon, who played for uh, Northwestern and uh, played for the Saints a few games last year and. Uh, he uh, came, he was five for eight for fifty four yards. So uh, the Bears threw the ball quite well, almost for two hundred and fifty yards, a little over two hundred and fifty yards. Yeah. So a uh, good a good game for the Bears. Uh, elsewhere uh, in uh, NFL, uh, uh, Atlanta takes down Jacksonville twenty eight twelve. The Rams get beat by Cincinnati in a repeat of the Super Bowl game last year. Of course, again preseason sixteen to seven. You know, since we talked Friday, you and I d- during the show. I saw the video of that ridiculous Aaron Donald uh, helmet thrashing. Yes. And I'm glad to see. I, I was surprised to find out the NFL could do nothing about it, but the Rams certainly have every opportunity to do something about it. Uh, and I hope they, I think they have made some moves in that direction. But again, these guys uh, whipping their helmets around. Uh, did yeah. they not learn from that situation with Pittsburgh and Cleveland a couple yeah. of years ago? That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, so. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how clean that game was. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right. I see where uh, the former UL running back, uh, Ragus, uh, had 11 carries for 52 yards uh, for the Rams in their preseason game against uh, the Bengals. Uh, so uh, we'll see if uh, he can make the team. I'm sure uh, a lot of kids getting look-sees in that regard uh, with uh, – 
the uh, preseason uh, over. You want to see those uh, second and third line players, see how they react in uh, live uh, games. So uh, a lot of cuts to be made. A lot of young men will be walking on the streets again uh, looking for a job opportunity. uh. And, and again, just because one team cuts them doesn't mean another team doesn't have that need. Uh, Maybe uh, Team A didn't have that need, but Team B does. So you get some opportunity yet and uh, again injuries happen throughout uh, the season they, they hold on to a phone number just yeah, in case that and they stay in shape too uh, they they do do some lifting and running and uh, trying to uh, agility drills to stay in shape for opportunities as you mentioned that come along with uh, the game so uh, in that regard Anyway, Jeff, uh, unless uh, you got something else, we'll go ahead and That's take about our, that time. Yeah, our break and get uh, Bob Rose on the line with uh, the beat writer for Sports Illustrated for the Saints. You listen to Bayou Sports here Monday, August the 29th. We'll be back with uh, sports writer and beat writer for the Saints, Bob Rose, right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answer to pain.com. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with LA Classic Roofing. We're a third generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at LA Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. LA Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kane Road, and Sugar Oak. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Dream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, August the 29th. And with us here for the first time and hopefully each week on Mondays at approximately this time on Bayou Sports is uh, Bob Rose. Uh, And Bob, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you're doing well. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. Uh, we've been battling uh, rain, inclement weather for about the past <laughs> 10 days. So uh, <laughs> if you need some, we'll gladly send you some here from Cajun Country down in New Iberia, Bob. 
Oh, no, no, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. We got we got a bright and sunny day. I, I'm trapped up here in western Pennsylvania, but I'm getting the kind of weather you guys should be getting. So I'll take it. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Well, Bob, I, I know you do a, a, a lot of the reporting on the Saints. Uh, give us some of your uh, thoughts and what you thought maybe of the last game uh, uh, Friday night, if you were able to uh, catch that. And uh, your thoughts going forward on the Saints this year. And uh, the mic's yours now. Uh, boy, I tell you, uh, if you're a Saints fan, you have to love what you saw out of the first-team offense. Uh, you know, we didn't see much out of them during the pre- first two preseason games, nor should you. Uh, but, yeah, that, that unit looks in midseason form. Uh, and you know, when, when they get on the field against Atlanta and that tough opening stretch of division games you have, uh, I have confidence that this offense is going to be you know, at clicking uh, and, uh, and on all cylinders very, very quickly. Uh, if you're a fantasy owner, you've you got to be eyeing up some of these Saints skill performers. Uh, yeah, defensively, we, we know, at least we believe we know, uh, yeah, that the Saints are going to have one of the best, uh, better units in the league. Uh, I see no reason to doubt that at this point. I personally am a little bit concerned with the defensive tackle production, uh, something that the unit struggled with last year. Uh, but I, I think once the safeties in that secondary get their timing down with those cornerbacks, I believe that Tyron Matthew and Marcus May are actually athletic and vers- versatility upgrades over what Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams were last year. Uh, you know, not, uh, not to throw out too much hyperbole, but I believe that this could be the best Saints secondary from, front, you know, from corners to safeties uh, in the history of the franchise. Uh, on the downside, you have to be discouraged. You know, the one thing that you know, coaches do not want to see in preseason are injuries. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, Obviously, every team is going to be nicked up. But uh, yeah, the the Saints, uh, yeah, starting with Trevor Penning, the first round uh, yeah, draft pick, the offensive tackle, uh, quite probably missing the entire season. Uh, you know, and guys like Albert Huggins and Traquan Smith, Kirk Merritt going down during portions of the game. Uh, yeah, that has to make poor Dennis Allen you know cringe on the sidelines. But I think this team looks ready to go. Uh, I, I know the national media has them pegged at around a 500 team. I said the whole time, you know, look, if everything falls right, this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender in my view. Oh, wow, that's saying something, too. And as you mentioned, you really, uh, the word you're getting is Trevor Pennington might, uh, or Trevor Penning might have a uh, turf toe that uh, might cost him the year? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. And actually, it, uh, it, it's a little bit worse than that. After he had uh, Ian Rappaport first reported, and we were first hearing uh, that it was going to be a turf toe, uh, yeah, which, yeah, like you pointed out, and that could keep a player out, oh, anywhere from four to six weeks. Uh, but then an MRI on Saturday, later on Saturday, revealed that he actually tore ligaments in that foot uh, uh, around the toe and is going to have to have surgery. The word we're getting is that Trevor Penning is out indefinitely. Uh, but yeah, if you talk to some orthopedic surgeons uh, and, uh, and research the extent of Penning's injury and what the recovery time is, you're looking at a 12 to 14 week recovery process. Oh, wow. So we're talking about uh, a season, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, I saw Kirk Merrick go down and, and then later reappeared in the game. So I don't know this mm-hmm. is what essence was the injury but uh, he went to the blue tent you know which seemed like a few saints did also uh uh friday night but uh merit uh he's right on the uh, cusp of making the roster and uh uh, jeff and i were talking before uh 
uh, you came on the air that the Saints, uh, you know, have a lot of w- wide receivers. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. They're going to be a few young men looking for jobs uh, when the final cut is made. Yeah, I agree with that. And like you pointed out, it was good news that we saw Merritt, you know, jogging around uh, after he left the game. Uh, and you know, Dennis Allen really didn't mention him uh, in the post-game presser uh, you know, when he was doing the injury rundown. So that's excellent news. And, yeah, I have Kirk Merritt. You know, when I made my latest 53-man projection for the Saints News Network, I have Kirk making the team. Uh, but having said that, like you pointed out, you know, this is one of a few positions for New Orleans. Uh, Dennis Allen and those coaches are going to have to make some really tough decisions. Rarely do you see the Saints keep six wide receivers, but I think they do so this year. Now, a lot of people believe that if they keep six, uh, yeah, that, you know, that's going to uh, – obviously, Michael Thomas, Chris Alave, Jarvis Landry are going to have your top three spots. Uh, yeah, Deontay Hardy, unless we're in for, a, you know, a, for a, uh, an eye-popping shocker, Deontay Hardy is going to nail down a fourth because you know, he's their primary returner. Uh, the fifth and sixth spots will not go to both Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith. One of those guys are going to, at least one of them, are going to be looking for a job. If the Saints, if I'm right and the Saints keep six wide receivers, that sixth guy is going to be a developmental guy that can play special teams and offer a little bit of versatility for that offense, a la what Kirk Merritt is doing. Uh, you know, so if that's, if that's correct, you have to assume uh, you know, that the other receiver spot is going to come down to probably either Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith. Uh, you know, Traquan has been a perpetual disappointment, in my view, throughout his career. Callaway, who was their leading receiver last year, can play special teams, fill in at punt or kick returner if asked, uh, and he was much more productive in the preseason and in training camp practices than what Traquan is. So that yeah, that's how I see the receiver room playing out. But I, you know, obviously, I'm not I'm not the one making those calls. So you know, it, it's going to be a position to watch closely over the next 24 hours. Uh, also, uh, Bob, with regards to uh, the running back position uh, with Kamara's, you know, limbo status, and then you have uh, go back to, and I want you to comment maybe on the quarterbacks. Ian Book looked a little bit better uh, Friday night wasn't the deer in headlights that we possibly saw in the first two games. And uh, Saints, uh, again, uh, I saw this morning where they released uh, the Smith kid from Baylor. And, of course, mm-hmm. he could be brought back on the practice squad, but uh, the Saints paid him 220000 a bonus as an unrestricted free, uh, uh, unrestricted, I guess, undrafted, undrafted, free. undrafted free agent, pardon me. And uh, that, that's interesting. I thought maybe he had an outside shot to make the team. Uh, yeah, you're right, and a lot of people did, myself included. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that Abram Smith was among their first cuts. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I had him on my, my 53-man roster projection, uh, but we know that these coaches love Dwayne Washington, mainly because of his special teams contribution. Uh, Tony Jones Jr., as you mentioned, he had a, he had a strong preseason. Uh, you know, he knows the system, as does Dwayne Washington, better than Abram Smith. So I think that that's what they're looking at. If Abram Smith clears waivers, which is a big if at this point, uh, I do expect that he'll be brought back to the practice squad. Uh, you know, and we know Saints, you know, the Saints have turned to you know, practice squad backs and wide receivers during the regular season in the past with great success. So we'll see how that plays out there. Uh, you know, as far as Book, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he looked far more composed uh, and, and, and 
the Friday preseason game against the Chargers than he had throughout the preseason. I don't personally think it's going to be enough to make the roster. I believe, and we already mentioned carrying, possibly carrying a sixth wide receiver. Uh, you, you know how deep the the safety room is. Uh, what they're looking at at linebackers. Well, if you're going to start to look at carrying extra players at different positions, you got to give in somewhere. And I think quarterback is going to be one of those spots. I uh, believe that Dennis Allen is going to be very comfortable heading into the regular season. With uh, you know, Jameis Winston is the unquestioned starter. Andy Dalton is probably one of the better, definitely one of the more experienced backups in the league. I think that they'll, you know, if, if I'm right, and they release Book, they're definitely going to bring him back to the practice squad, assuming he clears waivers, because you know you don't give up on a on a developmental quarterback that quickly. And we saw what happened with the Saints last year. They used four different quarterbacks, as you know. So they're going to want to keep a guy like Ian Book. If they don't keep him on the active roster, they're going to want to keep a guy like Ian Book at least on the practice squad, where that's a you know that's an arm with some experience in their system that they have to turn to in a pinch. And then I assume Taysom Hill is the emergency third-string quarterback in that scenario? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's one of the other reasons why I don't think that Book makes this team, uh, you know, as far as the 53-man roster, <clears throat> because Dennis Allen you know, knows, and he's seen you know, up close and personal, that Taysom Hill can step in. Yeah, I know he converted positions, uh, but again, he's a player that knows the system at the quarterback position. So if God, you know, God forbid if something happens to Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, you can't turn to Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, you're going to have to change your system. But Pete Carmichael has been there forever, uh, you know, and has worked with Taysom, so he knows what kind of plays and uh, an attack that Taysom Hill would feel most comfortable with if they had to turn to him in that scenario. You, you mentioned uh, Carmichael and the consistency there, but uh, have you gotten a vibe on how the team has transitioned out of Sean Payton and with Dennis Allen? But again, there is still a lot of consistency in uh, what they're doing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of consistency in what they're doing. Uh, all indications are that the transition has been extremely smooth so far. I've been impressed with how organized Dennis Allen is in his approach to the training camp practices. He seems to, I mean, we, we all know he's a defensive guy, but he seems to have his pulse on what's going on on the offensive side, too. What we saw for 16 years with Sean Payton, who, of course, is an offensive guru, uh, you know, Peyton just kind of left his defensive coaches do their thing. You know, he, he was both hands in the cookie jar on that offensive side. You know, Dennis Allen has a lot of trust in his co-defensive coordinators, uh, you know, Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard. Uh, and so Dennis likes to get a feel on what's going on on the offensive side. He doesn't interfere with what people... Pete Carmichael and those offensive coaches do, but yeah, he, he seems to be oftentimes present uh, and what they're doing on that side of the field. So I like that. Uh, you know, and again, you know, what's impressed me is his organizational ability. We'll see how he performs in game time situations, uh, you know, clock management, you know, timeout usage, two-minute drills, you know, things like that. Uh, but I... I I love the hire. You know, I, I love the fact that they kept Dennis Allen on board. Uh, they did the right thing by you know, by searching out throughout the league and doing different interviews. Uh, but I, I believe that they made the right choice in keeping Dennis Allen around and keeping the con- much of the continuity that Sean Payton has established over the last decade and a half. Bob, 
Appreciate you joining us. Uh, any other takeaways from the preseason before we let you go for this week? Uh, guys, thank you so much for having me. Look forward to doing it again. Uh, and at this point, you, you just keep you keep your eyes and ears on that injury report as we uh, inch closer to the September 11th opener against the uh, the hated Atlanta Falcons. All right. Hey, we, we really didn't. I, I wanted to do this at the start, but uh, we just got into Friday's uh, sat, yeah Friday's game so quick. How do we uh, find out uh, about your work? Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, contact info and where they can read you. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, first of all, I work for the Saints News Network, uh, and you can find Saints News Network on Facebook or over on Twitter at Saints News. Uh, you know, we are affiliated with SI.com. We do all the New Orleans Saints coverage for the SI.com team website. Uh, you know, myself, John Hendricks, Kyle Mosley, Brendan Boylan uh, are, are the reporters that you'll find there. Uh, I personally can be found on Facebook, Bob Rose, or over on Twitter at Bobby R. 2613. Uh, and Brendan Boylan and I have our own show. It's called the Bayou Blitz uh, podcast. It's on every Wednesday night at, uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time. We stream those shows live through our Facebook and Twitter pages, and you can also find them on the Saints News Network and also over on YouTube. Very good. We'll look forward to uh, checking you out there, uh, but in the meantime, we'll look forward to checking in with you Mondays at 8 o'clock here on Kane. Love to do it. You guys have a great week. We'll talk soon. You bet, right. Bob. Thank, Thank you. you, Bob. Appreciate it. That's uh, Bob Rose with uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, one of the uh, writers uh, in that regard, Jeff. And it's good to have him on each Monday at approximately 8 o'clock uh, during the football season. Yeah. Uh, nice to get uh, another perspective. Yeah, it, it is. And it uh, looks like he's done his homework, too. Yeah. So, uh, in that regard, uh, quickly, uh, today in sports history, August the 29th uh, in 1885, boxing's first heavyweight title fight. The three-ounce gloves and the three-minute rounds fought between John L. Sullivan and Dominic McCaffrey. And 1925, after a night on the town, Babe Ruth shows up late for batting practice. Miller hugs spins Ruth and slaps him with a five thousand dollars fine. Wow! In '64, Elston Howard. Well, night. most players in those days weren't getting five thousand. Yeah, a year. Ruth was probably making fifty or sixty thousand dollars back then. Maybe maybe seventy, but uh, five thousand dollars. Hello. Anyway, in 64, Elston Howard Knight, Mickey Mantle ties Babe Ruth's career strikeout record. Fans 1,330 times. I think Reggie Jackson holds that title now as the strikeout uh, champion of, uh, of uh, batters. Meanwhile, in 65, Willie Mays sets a record for homers in a month with 17. How about Willie Mays getting his number you retired s- from the Mets? And you saw him make that catch in the old-timers game? Yeah. He still can cover center field. Yeah, I, I always thought, and, and we were ignorant 9-, 10-year-olds, but as even as Hank Aaron was getting ready to break Babe Ruth's record, uh, the debate about who was the best ever, I still say Willie Mays. Yeah, he covered center everything. Field. He did everything so well. And every, the the rule was Willie Mays would always buy a hat that was a little bigger than his size. So when he was coming around second base, the hat would always fly off. Always say hey, say hey, Willie. Anyway, uh, sets a homer record, uh, 17 for the month. Of course, the record now is uh, uh, Sammy Sosa. He's got 20 in that, that home run season of 60, 98, where he hit 66. He hit 20 in June. Joe Pepitone quits the Yanks after being fined $500 for leaving the bench. Anyway, in 72, Jim Barr. hooked up with the Cubs. That's right. And the Astros, too, for a little while. Mm. 
Elsewhere in uh, 72, Giants starter uh, Jim Barr retires. The first 20 batters he faces added to the last 20 when he retired six days earlier. 41 batters in a row hmm. he retired. Anyway, uh, 1977, Lou Brock eclipses uh, Ty Cobb's 49-year-old career stolen base record. Uh, Lou steals 893. 85, Don Baylor is hit by pitch for the record 190th time. In the 04 Olympics in it, uh, Athens, the marathon is run as the same route during the uh, 1896 Games, the site of the Battle of Marathon in the stadium in Athens. Uh, Stefano Baldini of Italy wins it in 210, 2 hours, 10 minutes, 55 seconds. In 2012, the USADA claims to have stripped Lance Armstrong of seven Tour de France titles. Of course, he was, uh, thanks, with the HGH uh, uh, with that. Uh, in, in 2018, star quarterback Aaron Rodgers signs an NFL record contract. Four years, $134 million, possible $180 million with a record $103 million in guarantees. I think that record's uh, been broken at 230 with uh, our boy, Mr. Watson, Deshaun Watson, $230 million. Guaranteed, folks. Uh, elsewhere, birthdays today, Earl Grove, the former NL running back and LSU Tiger, born in Lafourche Parish. I do believe he was born in Thibodeau. In 1945, born in this date, Wyoming Tyus, the 100-meter champion from the 68-64 games, born in Griffin, Georgia. She won gold. Bob Beeman, born on this day, the track and field long jumper. Of course, set the long jump record at the Mexico Olympics at 29-2.5. It's been broken by then, I do believe. Elsewhere, other birthdays, Roy Oswalt, uh, the former major leaguer, born in Weir, Mississippi. Randy Romero, born on this day, American jockey of the Breeder Cup and Thoroughbred Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, born in Erath, Louisiana, and that's mm. our third Erath jockey. And the quote of the day by John McKay, the former USC and Tampa Bay Buccaneer coach. He stated, we didn't tackle well today, but we made up for it, but not blocking well. There you go. <laughs> you, you had to have a sense of humor when you're coaching that early Tampa Bay team. Saw him beat the Saints for the first ever win in the Dome one afternoon. <laughs> Thirty, I think it was 33-14. to 14. Just uh, Tampa Bay brought like four or 5,000 people. That maybe they thought they were going to win. I don't know. It could have been Bourbon Street. Yeah, but they did beat the Saints that afternoon in the Dome for there their first go. NFL regular season win. Anyway, yeah. Jeff, that's today in sports history. Very good. Uh, we'll look forward to it again tomorrow. want to thank our sponsors, L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, the Hedekin Pain Center, and Schwing Insurance. News coming up brought to us by David Funeral Homes.